when you get used to us, you realize we never have guest speakers. What we do have are friends who are on a global gospel adventure with us. And uh, well, there are a number of reasons why I could have Nick and Cuddy minister tonight. Number one is they're uh, amongst Meryl, my closest friends. Nick and I were in the army together back in the day. He was the very fancy uh, finance officer. I was an inventory officer and then an intelligence officer. I never found out what the latter meant, however. But, um, well, that could be a reason. The other reason is that I did their wedding 34 years ago. That would be a good reason. Um, but, but the real reason why, over and above that, they are part of our global collective leadership, and that would be a good reason. But um, I was just going out praying this morning, and uh, I love knowing what God is on about. And last Sunday night, as you know, we had our fifth birthday celebration. And I thought, you know, this evening is the beginning of the next chapter. Story unfolding. And uh, the Bible says in Ephesians 2.20 that apostles and prophets lay foundations. And I thought, isn't it amazing that uh, one of the key voices in our global movement, they're a father and mother to many churches and leaders, that tonight they're here. And uh, I've just said to Nick, whatever is on your heart, you can prophesy to us. And uh, minister, whatever, whatever. I don't really mind. There's an impartation uh, that happens. And uh, Cut's going to co-lead the sacraments a little bit later. But uh, do you want to pray for What do you like about Nick? <laughs> He's unique. <laughs> He's very unique. That's what I fell in love with when I fell in love with him in the first place was because he was just totally different to any other young man that I had met. He's very different. <laughs> I just love him, Chris. I don't know. I love him. <laughs> what do you love about him now? You fell in love that he was unique. But now you're okay. 34 years later, he could maybe not be unique anymore. Mm. Okay. Um, what I do love about Nick, and it took me a long time, I'm a slow processor. Um, it took me a long time to just notice that about him, but he's a man that actually doesn't really care about other people's opinions, and um, that's caused us a bit of um, heartache, actually. <laughs> um, but when I realized that he actually, he is his own man, and um, he's not afraid to, he's just not, not afraid of people, really, and um, I, I I've grown to love that about him. Wonderful. Yeah. How many kids do you have? Two. And the eldest son is doing what? Um, he is, <laughs> I don't quite know what he's doing, but um, <laughs> he will be coming out to the States if everything goes according to plan. He won a um, lottery, a green card, and um, so he's got a sight set on, on America. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. Okay. <laughs> Can I maybe just yes. This could be helpful and appropriate to some of you, but um, just a thought that came to my mind when we were worshipping is that um, I come from a creative background, and um, I thought I had a very big dream for my life, um, but it was a very, well, anyway, I'll tell you what it was, but I kind of wanted to, my idea was that I would marry, sorry? Okay. Okay. No, it's just a very quick story, but um, I kind of had this idea that I wanted to step out of society, um, 
I, I love the idea of perhaps marrying an artist. And we've got a little, we, we've got a little like a rural town. It's called, um, oh gosh, I'm just saying. Uh, anyway, it's not important. Um, but it's, it's a little rural artistic kind of retreat. And I thought, well, maybe that would be quite a nice thing to do, would be just to escape from life and um, grow our own vegetables and be married to an artist. Even if we don't earn a lot, we'll still love each other and live in a little shack and we just will opt out of life. And, um, I, you know, just sitting here thinking, I'm just so glad that the Lord plucked me out and put me in places where I've been super uncomfortable but he's done exceedingly abundantly more than I could ever, ever wish, ask, or imagine. And um, I just wanted to share that. I thought that might help. There's a lot of young people. You've got your dreams. And um, sometimes it's good when the Lord just shatters our dreams and does something that is completely what he wants to do in our lives. Great. Do you want to pray for Nick? Father, thank you. Thank you for our time here. Thank you that you are with us. Thank you for every person that is here. Thank you for Nick, Lord, for what is on his heart, for the gifts that you've put in him, the love that he has for your church, the love that he has for Chris and Merrill, for Genesis. And um, God, we just want to know more about you. We want to learn more about you. We want to worship you more. We want to obey you more, serve you more. And so just with those thoughts, I pray for Nick and ask that you would bless him and anoint him as he shares with us tonight in Jesus' beautiful name. Amen. So good to be with you. Am I forward enough or back enough? And uh, is this good? Great to be with you. Real honor to have Sean and Nola Dooley, um, who 23 years ago, here with us today, who 23 years ago handed over Victory Faith Church to Nick and Cutty, that's us. Why don't you stand, Sean and Nola, Stu's uh, parents. And uh, we wouldn't be here if it wasn't for them. We, they intercepted our lives by making a choice to hand a church, the leadership of a base or a brilliant church over to us. And so we've lived under their blessing for 23 years. We thought we'd hand it over after, after 10, but we're still leading it and... Uh, that's a mystery, but just thank you, Sean and Nola. Wonderful to see Stu and Dana in this church. Here's my pastor, married us 23, 34 years ago, 23, and we're still mates. Are you still going to be mates with your pastor after 35 years of ministry? It's possible. <laughs> and uh, we've, one of the blessings we have is a story of longevity. Sean and I were at school together. I still have a picture of Sean walking in his black Speedo. Speedo, yeah? Uh, at Durban High School, it was a robust boys' school, and um, I remember seeing him, and then he got saved. Uh, it helped me, and so we have an amazing collage and collaboration and mystery, and there's been tears and heartache and pain, but we're still going, amen? And so um, Chris asked me to do something I was wanting to preach to you out of uh, Mark chapter 10, which is a well-rehearsed preach. This is an unrehearsed preach, so I'm just giving you a disclaimer for a... But... Um, so I just wrote this out this afternoon. I just, I just wrote it as it came to me. And um, maybe, I, can you show that slide? Uh, so I had a picture, we were here last week uh, celebrating five years. And uh, 
when I've come into this church, I've thought of the beginnings of Glenridge. And this is what you would call a mirror image of the beginnings of Glenridge. We were in our late 20s. Katya and I just got married. I chased around the world and we got married. And while I was here, there was this, to me, before I saw the rainbow, a, a golden halo, a something that was around this church. And the injunction I felt from God is, get into the middle. If you want your life to change, I was a peripheral and a marginal man. I was saved and then I was taught by a teacher, a brilliant teacher, who said, the church is not so good, you don't need to tithe. And I stayed on the margins, but then the day came when I moved into the center, to the very middle. I remember one prayer meeting, we had our son Matthew in my hands, and I was praying around the peripherals, and one of the leaders came to me and said, why are you on the margins? I said, bro, I'm here, I'm just like looking after my new baby, Can give me a break. He said, get into the middle. And the picture that I have is that your life will change if you get into the middle. And uh, I've got a rather, another slide to show you, which is not a fun one. You want to put it up there? It's uh, it's. It's out of the Ukrainian war. Some of you may have seen it. Maybe show the, 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 the kind of bomb piece first, if you can. And what God does, he packs us in. He, if you want to make a good bomb, you've got, to, you've got to get the stuff packed in as tight as you can. All the, all the shrapnel, in this case it's not shrapnel, but you've got to pack it and you've got to fill it with the dynamite. And then you've got to ignite it. And what happens in apostolic Christianity is God packs you into a community. He packs you with each other. And then he ignites you, if you can get that up. And, um, and this thing is, so unfortunately in the Ukraine, this is a bomb that didn't go off, but this is what they've packed in. The next slide, if you see it. So that's dynamite, that's a bomb, and we are the nails, we are the arrows. And uh, what God does is he packs us and he teaches us. We get to love each other, we get to offend each other, we get to grow, we get to serve. And he packs us tight and the day comes when he just says, okay, today you'll be my arrow. And we shot out, of course, not to destroy people, but to give people new life of the Spirit of God. Will you come into the middle? So my first point, I've got five stones. You remember David, the shepherd boy? Uh, he put um, Saul's armor on and he felt very uncomfortable and he took Saul's armor off and he went down to the stream, the Bible says, and he picked up five streams from the, uh, five smooth stones from the river. I want to give you a couple of stones. What, what are your stones? He had a big giant and he took off the armor. He had a sling and he said, I've got to select myself five stones because I've got to go to battle. What would be yours? Can I have some water, please? <laughs> what would be your, your five stones? What would be five things you could say to us, say to yourself, say to your spouse, your friend, these are five stones, because David could have selected any number of stones. I've often thought, what size would the stone be? What, what was the stone like? Uh, what size was it? What would be the stones that you would select to go into battle, to advance the kingdom? Thank you so much, Dana. We can maybe start writing them down. The first one is into the middle. Uh, the nucleus of anything is the central, the most important part of an organism. It forms the basis of its activity and its growth. And uh, if you get into the middle of what God is doing, into the nucleus, if you come in, watch what God, our lives changed, Kati and I, we were on our way to Johannesburg, we got married, I said to Kati, 
we lived in Durban, we're going to get married, and we're going to Johannesburg to make money. That was, I just said to her, and then I felt distinctly God say, you're not going anywhere. I've got to pack you in. I've got to teach you to walk with brothers and sisters. You've got to open, we had a nice big double-story house with a nice big car. We were in business people, and God says, I have need of you, donkey. And so um, come in. And so we brought people into our home and God began to form us and shape us. And so my injunction to you is throw your lot in. That's what Jesus expects of you. He expects you to be included in the middle. In my mind, Jesus had, who was the closest guy? John. Would you be prepared to be the John of Jesus? Would you be prepared to be one of the three? Would you say, Lord, I, I want to be, well, say, I didn't get to be one of the three, but I want to be one of the 12. I want to be one of the 72. I want to be one of the 120. I want to be in the story, amen? That's how we're going to advance the gospel. Pick your story. I thought, imagine being Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, where Jesus comes to your house. I want that. I want to be included. And even to this day, I'm thinking, why did he choose that family? What was about them? And I've often thought, Lord, would you have chosen me as one of the 12, one of the three? Are you prepared to position yourself there? Would you be the perfume lady that takes a year's wages and against all protocol and everything that is truly Hebraic, break into Simon the, the Pharisee's home and break and begin to kiss the feet of Jesus, undo your hair, weep upon his feet. Would you be that lady? Are you breathing? You're very quiet. Are you here? Would you be that lady? Would you be Joseph of Arimathea? Surely you want to be one of them. Um, I always thought, Lord, mm, I don't know about me, and I don't know about the leadership, and I cannot trust them. And all the while, he's saying, get into the middle. Would you, be, would you like to be around Moses? Would you be a Joshua fighting? Would you be an Aaron? or her holding up his hands, would you be included in the middle? It's amazing, in our early years, there were incredibly talented people, incredibly gifted, I don't know what it was, talented people, but those that got in the middle, God shaped us, bound us, packed us, and then lit us. And the most ordinary of us went into the far corners of the earth, except us, we still stayed in Durban. Would you be prepared to be one of David's mighty men? I want to go and fight a lion in a snowy pit. I want to stand up against 800. I want my hand to freeze to the sword. Are you prepared to be a Genesis 5 man? Anybody know who the Genesis 5? Are you, do you know what Genesis 5 man is? It's a 1,659-year period of history from Adam to Noah. Ten men are mentioned there. Ten people. Who would you want to be there? Lamech? Enoch, Methuselah, do you know what Methuselah means? When he dies, it will come, which is the flood. Enoch, who walked with God, I love to walk with God. I'm a beach man, I'm a seaman, I paddle on the big ocean. Just call upon your name. I call upon your name, walking on the beach, paddling in the sea. Sometimes big waves, sometimes a bit sharky. Call upon your name. <laughs> Would you be a Genesis? Five, which 1,700 years, 10 men are mentioned. God says he mentions them to come to Noah. 
Do you want to be a Nehemiah family man next to him? Remember, Terry Fouché came to me and said, you know, you're a difficult man to work with. I said, what? Because what I, I was the deacon on duty one day. And uh, I didn't really want to be because I was kind of proud and I had a big business and I was a managing director before I was 30 and I was, a, I was impossible. But I was a life group leader because Chris wanted me to be one. And I set up everything, not as good as this, Sam, but I tried. And then I went windsurfing during the meeting. Windsurfing, yeah? And then I was, they said, where's the life group guy on duty? And he wasn't there, he was windsurfing. And uh, I came back and he said, where were you, bro? I said, I was windsurfing. He said, you were on duty and you went windsurfing. I said, Ed, isn't everything fine? He said, you're a difficult man to work with. And I said, okay, I'm leaving. I'm leaving, I don't need this in my life. And it was like this heaven and hell moment. God said, Nick, and good old Terry Fisher spoke very severely to me and, and something happened in my heart. The power of proximity. Who's met Tula? <laughs> Tula's a, a guy in our church, uh, grew up in the difficult uh, era of apartheid, no dad, and he came to Red Point. His mom brought him to Red Point, and he, he began, he just grew up, and there's pictures of Tula as a young kid. He grew, he grew, he went to youth, he went to kidsmen, and Tula's just stayed. Tula stayed in proximity. Tula is one of our best elders. He's, he's 35. He's a, he's a kid should have be, that should have been thrown in the dumps of South African brokenness. Today he travels the world. The guys in America even want him. If you pack in, God can use you. Are you an Ezekiel 47 person? I used to think that you could walk across the river, saying this to Chris, but if you look at the story carefully, the river begins to trickle from the throne and it goes eastwards. And as you walk in the river, it gets stronger and stronger until it's knee deep, what's it? Knee deep, or ankle deep, knee deep thigh. I used to think I could walk in and out. God says walk in the center of the river until it becomes for the healing of the nations. Would you like to be an Acts 6 person? Would you like to be one of the seven? So actually, Lord, count me in. Pack me in. Learn. Serve. Follow me as I follow Christ. Well, people can follow you if you come into the center, if you come into the nucleus of, of his purposes. Jesus is building his church, brothers and sisters. Somebody say amen to me. He is coming back for her. Um, people said to me, you know, Nick, you called to business. And I had a good business. We had a massive Ferguson dealership. Uh, we had 10 branches or eight branches with the biggest dealership. And God said, I have need of you, Nick. It's time to come. And I'm so glad that we did that and we got ourselves involved. There was this guy called Fred Roberts in uh, South Africa. He was the premier evangelist. He pulled a cancer out of his ear. This guy was unbelievable. He moved in signs and wonders like in the most unbelievable way. And one year he came to speak to us. And as he began to minister in the good old charismatic tradition, people began to fall over and manifest. I remember myself and a guy called Craig in a batch of 5,000 people. I thought, I want to go next to this guy. So we began to catch people as they fell and tumbled and manifest and demons came out. And I thought, maybe I can get a little bit of what he has. And the picture I want to share with you is that actually God wants you in the middle he wants you in the middle of the church. He wants you in the middle of the life group. He wants you in the middle of the story. It's the best place to be. 
That's where he wants us. What if the leader fails? People say, you know, like, I'm, what happens if the leader fails? What happens if you get, he abuses me, he, he asks too much of me, he offends me. I've been hurt before. What happens if he runs off with a secretary? Well, Abraham did that. He did. He kind of couldn't get it on, so they took somebody else with his wife's consent. I know that. David did. Solomon did. If your focus is Jesus, you will make it. In fact, before I went to take over the leadership of, of, of Sean's church, I was sitting at the previous church, Glenridge, which Chris and Merrill planted, and I felt God say to me, don't go unless you can cope with the fact that Chris may go to America, which he was busy doing, and fall away from the faith. And if God began to show me leaders to say, if, if this guy fails, if this guy runs off with the money, if this guy goes off with the secretary, will you still serve me? Will you still go to the nations? And it was as if Jesus stood in front of me and I said, Lord, okay, I get you. And it took me a week to decide, okay, I've got to process that. And so all the things that may offend us will fall away if you have a big picture of Jesus. That's my first stone. Pack in. <laughs> come into the center. Get involved. Jesus could come back tomorrow or a bus could hit you. A lady in South Africa, we know well, she just drove. The other day she was at a stop street. She was at a four-way stop street and she didn't see the car. Sorry, it was a two-way stop street. And she just went, she didn't see the car, and the car hits her, and she went to see Jesus. That's how quickly it could end. I want to know that I packed myself in the middle of God's purposes. Point number two, Jesus doesn't do part-time love. <laughs> He's not a part-time lover. You know that terrible song? At the, at the center and the front of my life is Jesus. Now, you'd have to take this on and develop it. But... Um, I can't keep my affection with Jesus as a secret. Strangers by day, lovers by night. That's what part-time love is. Get to find out who I am, Nick. Remember when I got saved, I was about 18, took me a year. I felt the Lord say to me, Nick, I don't do part-time love. I want all of you or none of you. <laughs> on all of you. On, and I'm so, you know, I had a crisis when I got saved. I thought, what? This gospel is unbelievable. Like, and I'm a bad guy. And I felt the injunction, don't give your heart to me. And I, I don't want part-time love. I want all of you, all of the time. Have I done it well over the years? No. No, I haven't. I'm not here to tell you I'm a hero. I'm here to tell you that Jesus says, I don't do part-time love. And actually, he wants all of you, all of the time. Learn to love me with everything. Get to know me, Nick. It's amazing, I had a friend, I'm embarrassed to say this, I hope these things don't go too, and I mean, I spent quite a bit of time with him, he never mentioned the name Jesus. If you spend time with me, you're gonna hear Kati. She is the love of my life. She's the love of my life. I'm astounded at how much I love her. You'll hear me talking a lot about Kati. I can talk about marriage, home, children, help me, holidays, he never talks about Cutty. No, she's my love. Is Jesus your love? If you, if you get to know this Jesus, what did I write here? He'll soon become second, and then third, and then fourth, then sixth, then tenth, then twentieth, then fiftieth, then he'll be a hundredth. 
and will drift and slip. Don't you love the um, call of Peter, do you love me? You know that uh, Jesus ordains Peter to be a shepherd on the beach, a beach briar? That should be a cool one. Eh? He had calls him to be a shepherd on the beach. It wasn't a good time. You know, it's like, yes, Jesus, he says, if you allow me some latitude. But as you can see, I have problems. <laughs> Remember I told you, Jesus, three years ago I was sinful and you kind of said, still follow me. Now can you see how sinful I am? You rebuked me severely, publicly, too many times, Jesus. And what could Peter say? Remember, Jesus, you said, I'm like the devil. Is that what Jesus said to him? Didn't he say, get behind me, Satan? And now Jesus is calling him. <laughs> Who is this Jesus? How can you call me as a sinful man? Don't you know I've got problems? Don't you know I'm like the devil? Don't you know I've had a shocking week with you, Jesus? I've taken all these guys back fishing. I've disowned you once, twice, three times, which means out. Strike, is it? No, balls, what's it? I mean, if you don't know I'm once, you think, oh, sorry, sorry, Jesus, sorry. Again. And again. To a servant girl. You want to call me? You want me to love your sheep? Like, are you crazy? I told you I've got problems. I've told you something's wrong with me. Just cut off a soldier's ear. Imagine what I'll do to the sheep. I could do anything for them. I could bribe them. Barbecue. You want to trust me with your lambs? I fell asleep just last week at your hour of crushing. I fell asleep. I couldn't stay awake. I wanted to pray, but I'm a faulty bow, Lord. I didn't believe you'd be raised from the dead. And even when Mary came and I said to her, you must be smoking that stuff we have in Durban. It's called Durban poison. It makes you crazy. And you want to use me. I've opened my big mouth and I said, I'll go to prison with you. I'll even die with you. But then I denied you. Do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. It's amazing that Peter, this faulty bow, if you want to call him, you know, when the arrows went, they went like his boof. Have you ever seen a faulty arrow fly? When you shoot a faulty arrow, it's shocking, especially if the arrow's bent. It's incredible how it just goes, boof. It never hits the target. But you see, Peter was also the guy, when Jesus said, who are you? He said, oh, you are the son of the living God. I've got a revelation of who you are. You, you are the Messiah. Who do people say, oh, maybe a prophet, one of the Elijahs, one of the big deal. No, you are the son of the living God. Peter, this was not revealed to you by man, but, but by my father in heaven. One of the things, guys, is we will peter out of strength. You're, you could, ministry is tough. You could lose your marriage. But if you're full of Jesus, if he drips from your lips, if, if you have the apocalypse, the unveiling of who Jesus is, You'll make it. Then the disciples whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. Remember they were fishing? And I'll write in capitals in my note, as soon as Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garments around him and jumped into the water. He did that before. Remember he walked on water. Jesus, I mean, Peter had a passion 
for Jesus. And that's why I think Jesus said, you are a faulty bow, but I have need of you to look after my sheep. Who are you, Lord? Don't just use his name. You know, some of us have trophy wives. I, I don't know what that is, but you know, we, oh, that's my wife. You see, oh, he doesn't love me. He doesn't really love me. Because when we get home, it's like, <coughs> but when we get home, that should be when the love and the heart and the passion. And that's when we should sit on the couch. And so, how much more with our Lord? Are you good? Are you there? Study him, examine him, explore him, investigate him, behold him. That's one of my stones. Jesus is, is my number one stone. I, I, I need to know who this Jesus is because I can tell you, I've been in ministry 25 years, sheep bite, leadership is difficult, I nurse and rehearse. I sometimes think, Lord, why did you call me to this? I need to know, you need to know who Jesus is. Build your Jesus bank. <laughs> Get a lot of Jesus in your bank. Who is this Redeemer, the Savior, the Son of God, the crucified one, the resurrected one, the one who intercedes, the one? I met with a guy recently. I said, could you just slow your wedding date down? Something's like it's coming very fast. I'm just, could you just, could you take it? He said, I can't. I said, I said, could you just slow it? It's, it's coming too soon. There's stuff that needs to be dealt with. My Jesus has been waiting for his bride for 2,000 years. It's not a criticism of him. It's a celebration of who Jesus is. And so one can go on and on. Get to know him personally, deeply, truly. You see, it's not because I have a love for the nations. Jesus emp empowers nations in me. It's not that I have a love for Cutty. It's that he has given me a love for her. People say, gee, you've been faithful in ministry. No, he has made me faithful, amen? He's the one that, that, that begins to, the spirit begins to yearn for Christ. Sometimes I think, Lord, I don't want to read your word. And then the spirit begins to open it up. He's the one that's caused me to be more and more generous. Etc., etc. Love him with all your strength, all your soul, all your mind, all your hearts. Pick up the stone of who is Jesus and do I know him? I was in Mauritius, which is a little island of Madagascar, a couple of years ago, and there was a lady, my mom had just died, tender time, and the lady who brought the gospel into our home was there. Her name was Odile. Beautiful, she came when we were kids. She came from France smoking a cigar. She was sassy, amazing, but then the, she received the gospel and she brought the gospel. I mean, when we saw her, we thought, wow, how's this lady? And she was just liberated in South Africa. We were quite sort of conservative. And uh, the gospel, she received the gospel and she brought the gospel to our home. And so now it's 45 years later and hadn't seen her for maybe 20 years, Kati, or so I said, Odile, how are you? I haven't seen you for so long. Lost her marriage. Her husband went off, had an affair. I said, Odile, I've got a question for you. Sorry, I've ignored you. I've got a question for you. Do you still serve the Lord? Do you still serve him? Life's been tough for you. She, she answered my name in French. It's Nicola. She said, Nicola, what? 
I said, do you still love him? She said, he is my everything. He is my every waking moment. He, she has a beautiful home on a beach that's unspeakably beautiful. And she just says to me, every day when I walk into my garden and this aqua blue, she says, he is my everything. And I just said, praise God. Amen, I'm just moving quickly. Third stone, Jesus is a big one. <laughs> he is the rock of ages. Will you pack in? Will you, will you get into the, into the middle? Will, you, will, you, will we all pick up Jesus? Third stone, I'll, I'll give you one more, then I'll stop. What did I write? You will eventually find out, it may be soon or it may take a little while, that it's the grace of God given to you through the Lord Jesus Christ that will sustain you. Can I say that again? You will eventually find out, or maybe sooner or maybe later, may take a while, that it's the grace of the Lord of God given to you through the Lord Jesus Christ that will sustain you. Explain. In order to receive that grace, to live in that grace, to experience that grace, you will have to humble yourself. And so <laughs> It's funny that grace and pride collide. That's a good one, eh? Grace and pride collide. I'm a, I'm a prime candidate. I've, I've been shocked at my pride. Hidden, tucked away in the recesses of my heart. I've heard many, many sermons, references to the, fa the famous Ephesians 4 text. You know the Ephesians 4 text? He ascended on high and he gave us gold dust. I mean, I mean gifts of apostles and prophets and evangelists and pastors and teachers and probably something of our South Africanism. We all sit in the line and say, okay, I'll be a prophet and I'll be an apostle and I'll be a teacher and I'll be an evangelist. And what's the other one I've left out? I'll be the pastor or I'll be the prophesier. I'll have the gift of wisdom and discerning and, the, and knowledge and I'll speak in other tongues and I want to see people. I want the gift of faith. But if, you, if it's preceded by, what is that text preceded by? If you go to Ephesians, if you put it up, don't you love Ephesians chapter four? As a prisoner of the Lord then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another. In love, make every effort to keep the unity of the faith through the bond of peace. My eyes are a bit blurred. What's the definition of completely? It's amazing that as our people have often said to me, Nick, so how have you stayed married? And I'm not the guru on marriage. Or how have you stayed in ministry? I said, listen, I'm still, I'm still early days for me. Or how have you been, how have you led for so long? Or whatever, or how have you read the, people, this is a, a how. how, how do you do this? Be completely humble. Completely is an adverb, isn't it? It's from the Latin completus. <laughs> Very easy. It means to fill up. It means to fill yourself up with humility. It means that you are entirely humble. It means you are holy. <laughs> it means you are full in every way. Absolutely. The injunction is both to humble yourself and that God will humble us in this. 
So it's like a double-edged sword. Humble yourself and I know that God's going to humble me. I've been amazed at what I've discovered in my heart through the years. And at times I've thought, Lord, wow. And so I found myself, I need to humble myself. Other times I've just found that God has humbled me. If nothing else will humble you, your age will, your death will. My mom, who was the, uh, an extraordinary woman, so gifted, uh, when she was dying, I said, well, she stopped eating. I mean, she's a very gifted lady, beautiful. I said, I said where, where are you going? Why, why have you stopped eating? She says, I want to go. I said, where do you want to go? She says, I want to go and see your dad. I said, okay. But she says, I said, don't you want to sit with the grandkids on the veranda in Mauritius? And she says, my time has come. I want to go. I don't want to live anymore. Her saliva dried up. She couldn't swallow, but like me right now. <laughs> and she said, I want, I said, just can't, can't you hold on a bit? She said, I want to release me. So I said, where are you going? She said to me, I'm just going to go across the veil. I'm going to see my Jesus. This is my mother. She said, hours before she dies. I said, where? She said, I'm just going to, I'm going to, she said, listen, Nick, I'm going to go across the veil. I'm going to see him. I thought surrendering my life to Jesus was a supreme act of humility. <laughs> going to prayer meetings. Oh, I'm so humble, Lord. I'm going to prayer meetings. Tithing. I remember how I struggled to tithe. Becoming a deacon, attending church. Having coffee with people who struggled. Kind of was the business guy. So meeting all these young guys who wanted to go into business. Lord, I'm so humble. I'm giving them my time. Giving my finance office how little I knew about humility. That would be a deep beautiful work I got a phone call from a guy called Doug McDonald some of you would remember him I was at the pinnacle of my business career I had a brand new big BMW whatever it was big house and I was just got more shares in the company and I got a phone call will you come to Gazan Kulu please I remember being so angry I remember thinking what how dare you ask me to come to Gazan Kulu so I'll tell you, Gazankulu is a, it's a village. It's a broken village. It's about a thousand kilometers. And um, I remember just feeling angry inside of me because I thought, because I remember somebody said to me, if a leader asks you something, never say no. So I'm thinking, Dad, why did you ask me to go to Gazankulu? And when I got to Gazankulu, it was this paradox of this big car outside a little um, hut, Rondavel, mud. Okay. And it was like, I thought, something's wrong here. There's, this car shouldn't be here. But there it was. And that night, we eventually got there, and I took out my sleeping bag, and I, and I flicked open my sleeping bag so I could get into my sleeping bag to sleep. And as I flicked it, my host grabbed it and said, you won't sleep in the sleeping bag, you're going to sleep in the bed. So I said, now give me my sleeping bag back. I want to sleep in the sleeping bag. He said, no, I'm sleeping in the sleeping bag. And he got into the sleeping bag. And he went to sleep in the sleeping bag. And while I said, okay, I'll sleep in your bed. And as I was sleeping in the bed, another brother came in a single bed and slept with me, the two of us. <laughs> I thought, Lord, Lord. And when I had a bath the next day, he brought some a tub and hot water in. And I was in the bath and all the men were standing around watching me bath. I thought, Lord, I can't do this. I want to get into my silver BMW and bullet home. God said, I've got work to do in you, son. 
I'm preparing you for a kingdom project. I'm so glad Doug phoned me. I walked into a church one night, packed with young people, evening service in Peter Marinsburg. I walked in and I actually felt elevated. I felt lifted. I thought, I can do this, Lord. Packed people and I was going to preach the sermon. A, a, a day or two later, I was walking down an old age home corridor. And I remember thinking, this is what I can do. Give me a crowd. Give me the word. A couple of days later, I was walking down the passage um, of an old age home. Walking down the passage. The passage turned like this. There was a picture on the wall. And I said, I can't, Lord. I just want to tell you, I, I don't do grannies. I do meetings. I can't do grannies. Especially old grannies. And the Lord said to me, hand in your eldership badge now. That's what I felt. He says, you don't do grannies, Nick? I'm like, I, I, I do, but I do big things. He said, go and put in your sheriff's badge now. I demand of you. Humble yourself. I kissed the granny. I said, I'm so happy to see you. <laughs> it's so good to spend time with you. And so I could read you many scriptures that God took you to the desert for 40 years to humble you. God gave you manna to humble you. But unlike his father Manasseh, he did not humble himself. Amnon did not humble himself. The, ling the Lord will bring low the pride of all the glory and humble all those, who, all those men of renown. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic. Live as brothers. Be compassionate and be humble. My Lord, his name is Jesus. He just walked to the foot of the cross. Another man, Paul, the apostle, just walked, walked, walked. And actually said, no one looked after me. So if you humble yourself, John, that incredible apostle, do you know the, have you ever been to Patmos? Anybody been to Patmos? You want to sit on Patmos, it's a very, very difficult place to sit. It's, it's a very rocky, it's, a, it's an awful place. And when you sit on Patmos, it's like you can't sit. It's so spiky and uncomfortable, I'm told. This Apostle John. And I want to encourage you. What are your, what are your other stones that God wants to give you? What are, your, what are your stones? Would you come into the middle? Would you humble yourself? I close with this. To go on to mission. Yes, it could be prayer. Yes, it could be the word. But I want to encourage you to pack yourself into the center. To get to know who Jesus is. To humble yourself. And even it says, if you humble yourself, he will lift you up. What will he lift up? Your profile? You know you lift up? Your spirit. Your soul. Your joy. Amen. And I just want to encourage you. Maybe I'll close with this. I have a... Um, if I understand my own gift, people say I'm a prophet and I don't believe that I am, but I have a commissioning gift. I believe when I speak, there is a commissioning. And uh, I feel that God wants to commission some people tonight in my fumbling words. Can I, can I pray, Chris? If you want to be commissioned tonight, you want God to take you to the next level of intimacy, of being in the middle of humility, of gifts. I want Kati to be the, the most loved woman I know. She's the third of three daughters. I've got mothers, no, no longer daughters. 
my job is to make sure that Kati is the most loved woman that I know. I want to say in the world, how's it going to happen? I need the love of God to pour out of me. There is a commissioning of God. There is a, an enabling of God. There is, there is a, a taking you to the next level. If you're interested, please stand and I'll pray. If you want to be filled with the Holy Spirit, stand to your feet. <laughs> to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be used by God in a new and an extraordinary way. And I'll pray and then hand over to Chris. He's saying, Nick, maybe I was on the margins. Maybe I've got pride like you had, and I still have some. If you want God to take you to another level, if you husbands in this room want to experience the love of God cascading through you towards your wife, please stand to your feet and you're interested. Like you think, wow, I can't believe. I said this, I don't know where I said it. I think it was in Malibu. When Katya and I make love, when we make love, and this may sound, and I'm not a spiritual crazy guy, we experience something of the presence of God that is quite extraordinary. And it's not religious and frumpish, and it's exquisite. It's exquisite. What is that? Sometimes Katya says to me, just give me some, I'm a good lover. No, she says, you're a good lover. I'm just being very vulnerable. But you know what I've experienced? I've experienced something through me, which is, which is God's kindness is visiting us. Where we sometimes make love and we weep together. Just weep. I mean, I've, I've, I've never read that. I've never read that in a book. I just, I just experience it. What, what is that? That's the goodness of God. That's just saying, Lord, I hear I'm broken. I'm like Peter, man, I'm a faulty bow. Come rip my heart open. Fill me. Fill me with your spirit. Can I pray? Can I pray? Can I have a muser up, Chris? Yeah. Gonna, what, what happened in the upper room is when they were full of the spirit, they didn't do crazy things. They were, they were bold as lions. They were beautifully bold. Something of the enablements of Jesus was upon them. And so, because you're standing, I can take it a little bit further. Lift your hands, please, with me and just... I lift my hands, Lord, in this amazing place. Sometimes we've blamed leaders, we've blamed our husbands, we've blamed our wives, we've blamed our nations. But we've missed the grace of God. Lord... Lord, Lord Jesus, come dance upon us. Come with your fire and light upon us. Come, come burn our hearts. Give us an Emmaus Road experience where you open up the scriptures and you, dis, you disclose yourself. Holy Spirit, you disclose Jesus to us. The word Emmaus means hot springs, I think. Your heart becomes a hot spring. See, I don't know how it happened, but I just love him. I love my church, man. I want to get into the middle. I love Jesus. I just love him. I can't stop thinking about him. He is extraordinary. Father, you've changed me. I was arrogant and bold, and I thought I was so clever. But Lord, you've changed me. Now, Father, send me on mission, Jesus. 
If you're not married, say, Lord, please give me a good husband that'll love you passionately. If you're a single man and you're saying, Lord, give me, give me a wife that I could love her, that she would be the most loved woman I know. And then, then I know it's not me, it'll be your love pouring out through me to her. Lord, we want to take responsibility tonight for our call and our mandates. I want to say, put it on me, Lord. I, I, take, I, I carry it. Yoke me, Lord. Come yoke me this morning. Pack me together in this community. And when the time is right, Lord, light a fuse that I might be a blessing to the nations. In your precious name.